Hey, this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. Welcome to Connection Church. We are so excited that you have chosen to join us in worship this morning. Uh, this week was a, well, I should say, it was an astronomically amazing week for our family, but specifically for myself and for Colby. And if you guys know anything about what happened this week, as we have been speaking about it for a while, uh, Colby and I got to go to the 21 Pilots concert in Madison Square Garden. So it's the first time that Colby got to see 21 Pilots. It was the first time I had been to an event in Madison Square Garden. And so it was a really, really just special, sweet time. She went through a range of emotions, as we all do at 21 Pilots concerts, where she was just completely jacked when they came out. And then you could just tell she was really just soaking it all in. There was so much stimulus and so many things going on that often during the concert, I would look over and she looked like this. I was like, are you okay? Do we need to go home? She goes, no, I'm good. I'm good. She said, no, I'm great. And so I told her several times, I said, look, if it's too much, um, as concerts can often be, especially 21 Pilots, I said, if it's too much, we can go, right? We can leave at any point in time you want. She said, okay, thanks, Dan, I'll let you know. Well, they came on at about 8.45, and they, they wrapped up at about 10.45, almost exactly two hours. And at 10.30, 10.35, she said, okay, I'm sleepy, we can go. And I said, well, hey. There's only 10 minutes left. We're not leaving now. <laughs> so I, I you know, asked her if she'd want to sit on my lap, and she said yes. And we made it through. She made it to the very last song and fell asleep at the beginning. And so I got to video that for her. And she just had the best time. I had the best time. It was incredible. Uh, so don't you worry. We will have a 21 Pilots illustration for the sermon this morning. I know you guys are always on edge of your seat, hoping that that will be the case. That is definitely the case this morning. So uh, we have actually walked through... Um, some chapters in Luke the past several weeks, and we've seen many examples of Jesus challenging the heart and the purpose behind the structure that's in our lives. I personally believe as humans that each of us, we get some degree of comfort from structure, right? I mean, it can be fun to go outside of that structure, but to know that there's structure in our life, something that is uh, unchanging, it's predictable, and it's completely within our control that is comforting to us. However, we have seen uh, that with Jesus, he is actually not interested in these faux predetermined actions of penance that give off the appearance of faithfulness, as that structure, especially in the church, can often become. But rather, Jesus is passionate about authentic worship that shows itself in every situation, causing us to live in a state of readiness of his return because we have such a real love for him, we never take our eyes away from him, and in turn, it in turn affects every single thing that we do. Where there is comfort in these structures, we learn that Jesus actually brings division from those structures so that we can find comfort in him. And where there is pain, he brings a path to rescue. Where there is deception, he brings clarity. And where there is an opportunity for us to exalt ourselves, as we will learn today, Jesus turns that opportunity 
upside down. I assume that most of you are familiar with the TV show Stranger Things. Um, just in case you guys really want to watch it and you haven't seen any of it yet, I won't give away too much. But in this show, there is an area in the show referred to as the Upside Down. And the Upside Down is really, it's kind of like the same place as the real world, but it looks completely different. The Upside Down is actually this kind of free from Earth's natural burdens and bondage area where these crazy things happen. And even though in the show, the Upside Down has a negative connotation, today we're going to look at the Upside Down that Jesus calls us to live in. You see, we live in the same place as those who don't believe in Jesus, but the way we walk, talk, act, and think should be completely different. So the title of today's sermon is called The Upside Down. The Upside Down. I know you guys, for those of you who haven't been here the last couple of weeks, um, I'm usually really bad at picking sermon titles, and I usually forget, and Daniel has to remind me, but the last three weeks, I have been slaying the game. I'm going to submit these sermon titles to Guinness to see if I can get the world record for the best streak of sermon titles. Um, I'm very proud of my sermon titles, um, which is kind of, it's it's weird that I should say that at the beginning of this sermon, because this sermon is actually all about being humble, but it's okay. I'm humbly proud of my sermon titles. Uh, so just like always, what we'll do is we'll actually read through, we're going to be in Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 14 today. So what we'll do is we will read the scripture together, we will pray together, and then we'll break down a little bit more what Jesus is trying to communicate in this passage. So in Luke chapter 14, verses 1, it says, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees, an expert in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way, he being Jesus. In verse 5, then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the, on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they, the Pharisees, had nothing to say. Verse 7, when Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come to you and say, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Verse 12, then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. 
This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your son and for his boldness and his willingness to turn our structures upside down. God, for his willingness to point out where we may have become complacent. God, where we may uh, have thinking that needs to change. God, I pray that if there's anything this morning that you have that we should change, God, you would speak that into our hearts, into our minds, Lord, that we would be impacted by your word and that we would be able to follow you more closely because of the lesson that you have for us this morning. We pray these things in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. So we see Jesus in this passage, and he's being watched by these religious leaders. And even though he's the one being watched, typically when I'm being watched really closely, I kind of tend to, you know, uh, shrink up a little bit. I, you know, I don't want to rock the boat at all and make sure that everything uh, is okay. Jesus uh, takes this opportunity that the Pharisees are watching him closely to teach them a few lessons about what it looks like to follow God more closely, more accurately. And so today we're going to talk about the things that we see. This is not an exhaustive list, but we're going to talk about the things that we see in this uh, set of uh, verses that we can do so that we can join Jesus in living in this upside down, quote unquote, structure. We can join him living in this spiritual version that he calls us to live in uh, of this world. And so the first thing that we can do, this is our first point, so if you want to write this down, the first thing we can do is think critically. Think critically. Now, some of these will go against uh, more cultural viewpoints, and some of these points, like this one, will go against even some uh, thought processes that we battle within the local church. This one, Jesus is actually sitting with a religious leader, and the religious leader is, is actually doing what he thinks he's supposed to do. It's the Sabbath, and he's relaxing. He's not doing work. Let's read verse 1 through 6 again. It says, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. And Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? So these are people who are experts in the law, and Jesus asks them a question about the law. And he says, is it lawful? And they remained silent. They had nothing to say. Essentially, they shrugged their shoulders and said, we don't know. So taking hold of the man, Jesus healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. So when we break down this interaction, what Jesus is saying is, it's okay for you to think. You're following this man-made structure that tells you, don't work on the Sabbath, don't work on the Sabbath, don't work on the Sabbath. You're an expert in this law. Have you actually ever sat down and thought about the heart and the posture behind the law? Have you ever asked yourself the question, why? Or do you just do because it makes you look good? And so Jesus is asking the Pharisees this very simple question, Hey, if you would have taken two seconds to think about, well, if something terrible happens to my child or even my animal on the Sabbath, I would help him. So it stands to reason that a God who's okay with me helping my child or my ox would be okay with me helping someone who's sick. I say think critically. That's not really that critical of thinking. That's just thinking, period, right? That's just taking a second to allow uh, this spiritual influence that God gives you as a follower of Jesus to influence your actions instead of just following blindly this man-made structure. 
one of the songs that uh, 21 Pilots performed when we went to the concert is a song that they typically always perform. One thing that I love about their concerts is there's always something different. They're always mixing it up. But they actually have a structure also that they that they perform in. They always have this crazy way that they reveal themselves and get to the stage. There's always a portion where their drummer is held up by the pit and he drums on the small platform. There's always a portion where Tyler, the lead singer, comes to his piano and does some soft, like creative acoustic versions of the songs. Um, and in car radio, there's always this portion where he stands on this very tiny platform and performs part of the songs on this like 15, 20 foot tall tower platform thing. And so it was really, really fun to watch them perform this, but it got me to thinking as I was preparing for the sermon this week, that there are lyrics within this song. I've actually shared this song in the past during the sermon, uh, but these will be different lyrics than what I had shared in the past. So I would love for us to listen to these lyrics as I read them and see how they apply to Jesus's message here. In car radio, Tyler says, there are things we can do, but from the things that work, there are only two. And from the two that we choose to do, peace will win and fear will lose. It is faith and their sleep. We need to pick one, please, because faith is to be awake, and to be awake is for us to think, and for us to think is to be alive, and I will try with every rhyme to come across like I am dying to let you know you need to try to think. And so in this, uh, in this verse that Tyler is sharing uh, with his fans, he's actually linking faith and thinking. He's linking fake thinking and living. And so the point that Jesus is making here and the point that we can even pull out of Tyler's lyrics is if we mindlessly follow man-made structure with no spiritually led intellect, insight, or thought process, that is to be dead spiritually. That is to be a zombie to a man-made structure where we just get comfortable in the outward processes that we're supposed to perform, and we never think or question or have any passionate feeling or emotion toward anything that Jesus calls us to, because we just have to do the same thing over and over and over again. If we just have a list, my kids actually have a list in the morning and at night, the things that they're supposed to do, because they're too young to actually think and process about what they should do. So as Christians, as we mature and we follow Jesus better and better, we shouldn't have to have a list. We shouldn't have to have a, did I go to church on Sunday? Did I read my Bible? Of course, those things are helpful. But if the list is the only thing we're referring to, and we're not thinking critically about Jesus, what Jesus wants us to do in our life and how he's calling us to serve him, then we're missing out and we're actually dead in our spirituality. We're not alive. So the first point is if we want to join Jesus in the upside down, in the spiritual world where we're living for him, where we're in the world, but we're not of the world, we have to think critically. The other thing that we see that Jesus calls us to do in these verses is that we should honor others. We should honor others. Let's look at verses 7 through 11 once more. When Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give the person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, 
move up to a better place, that you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So Jesus notices the importance that guests were placing on being seated at the table. It was all about status and not at all necessarily about relationship. They were walking in and they looked at this table and they said, depending on where I can sit at this table, we'll let everyone know how important I am. There was no consideration of anyone else who was there. It was all about an object and where they could place themselves near that object to make themselves seem the most important. So Jesus tells a parable to highlight the attitude that the guests should have and how important it is to be humble. He actually gives a little foreshadowing uh, to the way that he will be lifted above all for being the most humble. As he talks about those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So beyond a lesson in the importance of being humble, Jesus is trying to introduce this idea of community that would actually destroy the structure of me and usher in the structure of we. And so Haley and I were actually talking about this in the car on the way over. I said it was a different sermon for a different time, but I think it's actually this sermon for this time. Uh, when we look at these lessons, Jesus is teaching the Pharisees these lessons in very practical ways, especially this lesson. Because I think Jesus could have very easily been like, guys, what are you doing? You're making this all about structure. You're making this all about your status. And really, this should be about relationship. And if you want to follow me better, this needs to be about relationship. So just throw out this entire structure that you've built, forget about it, and just sit around the table with, with one another and exalt one another. That's going to be so much better for you. But I think that idea was so foreign to the Pharisees. Haley's a, a teacher, and there's this thing in teaching called the zone of proximal development, where basically you teach students things on the edge of that development so that they can push themselves, and then you, their proximal development kind of grows and you teach them on the edge again. But you can't teach them outside of their zone of proximal development because they won't grasp it. So, like, I can't teach Hunter, who's two and a half, how to do calculus. That's outside of his zone of proximal development. And so Jesus, I think we often look at Jesus and say, man, he's so stern and he's strict and he cuts through, uh, through your heart and he's just so to the point. We focus on that a lot, and he is. But I think we forget about these times where Jesus was a genius. He was a master at relationships. And he understands that the Pharisees are not going to accept throw out your structure. So what does he do? He teaches them a practical step that will help them grow closer to him and following him, whether they even realize it or not. He says, instead of taking the highest place and risking being humiliated, because obviously he knows that's something that's really important to the Pharisees, they don't want to be humiliated. Instead of risking humiliation, what if you took the lowest seat? And then you're not, even, you're not even in any kind of, of danger of being humiliated. In fact, you're going to be placed in a position where you might be exalted. And on an individual level, that's true. That statement is true. But I am of the opinion that that is not where Jesus wanted that to stop. I think Jesus understood that if an entire room of people coming to this table all tried to take the lowest position, then all of a sudden... Status at the table no longer matters. He has disabled the structure from the inside out by teaching them on an individual level. Just take the lowest seat. And I think so often as followers of Jesus, we get caught up in trying to make sure that someone 
uh, it just accepts Jesus the first time that we share the gospel with them, or we have to call out how terrible their actions are so they'll turn from their wicked ways and they'll find Jesus. But sometimes it's as simple as just showing love and care and concern and giving them a simple, practical step. Just take the lowest seat. Jesus says the host is concerned with where the status of the people should be placed. And so if you go in there and someone more, uh, someone with a higher status than you comes into this table and you actually have the seat, you're going to be asked to move down. Well, why does the host have to even concern themselves with where you're seated at the table? It's because the host knows that the people at the table are concerned with where they're seated at the table. And the practical step that Jesus just gave the Pharisees was this. Don't concern yourself with where you're seated at the table. Concern yourself with saving space for others. And then if it's needed, you will be exalted because you have humbled yourself. And if everyone at the party comes to the table with that same mindset, all of a sudden, everyone at the party is exalting one another. and You don't have to grasp and try to save your own status. You don't have to come in here and stress about it. You don't have to come in here and say, I need to make sure I get that chair. Otherwise, nobody's going to know I'm important. What Jesus is saying is everyone will know you're important because everyone is going to place everyone other than themselves at the most important level. And you're going to place yourself at the lowest level. So if we want to join Jesus in this spirit-led, upside-down world where we're in the world and not of the world, we have to honor others, which actually immediately flies in the face of what our culture teaches us, right? So we think critically. We honor others. And the last thing we do is we need to serve without expectation. We need to serve without expectation. Let's look at verses 11 through 14. Again, as we wrap up the last section, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then Jesus says to his hosts, When you give a lunch or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So Jesus also introduces this idea of true service. An act of selfless service that focuses on how you can provide for someone who does not have the means to in turn provide for you. Jesus shares the practical reason why you would do this. So that your gifts will come from God and not from others. But again, I think there's this deeper relationship that Jesus is trying to guide the Pharisees to. This deeper truth and this deeper knowledge of what it means to, to love God and to follow Jesus. And that is this. This example of serving without expectation, when you find people in your lives to serve that have nothing to give you in return. Is that not what Jesus did? Is that not what Jesus himself did when he came from heaven to earth to serve humanity? knowing that we literally have nothing of value to give him. And so this isn't just a practical step in how you should serve people. It's actually a way that we can emulate Christ himself. There's no quicker way that we can get better at serving and living for Jesus than to just emulate his actions directly. 
And so he moves from teaching them to think about their relationships and teaching them to actually have this emotional uh, response in this time where they allow spiritual influence to impact their decision-making rather than just checking off a list of a man-made structure without thinking at all. And he moves into how we should also be humble in that thought process and how being humble actually gives us an exalting. The thing that we're concerned about having will actually be cared for us if we humble ourselves and exalt others. And then he finishes by saying, also, just emulate me. Find people in your life that you can serve. Not people that you know will serve you back, but people that really, really need you to serve them because they have nothing. And do that without expectation. And if you think critically, and you honor others, and you serve without expectation, you can join me in the upside down, this upside down structure that Jesus created with his life and his teaching, his death and his resurrection that he empowers us to live in so that we don't have to be stuck in the world. We're here. We're in the same place. We're in the world, but we are not of the world. We have supernatural power from Jesus that comes from the upside down. Amen? So my challenge to us as a church is this that we would choose to join Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, in the upside down, that we would walk spiritually with him so closely that our actions begin to look more and more like Jesus and less and less like the world. Let's live authentically for Jesus, ready for his return, free from the pitfalls of our human nature and focused on the mission that he has given us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the sacrifice of your son. Thank you for his wisdom, God, for the fact that he is bold and that he speaks harsh truth into our lives and challenges us. But God, he also meets us where we are. And he speaks these brilliant practical steps into our lives that we can just trust him and take. A small step, a small step. And God, those small steps are cumulative. They lead to a better relationship with your son. They lead to salvation. They lead to honoring your son and his sacrifice. They lead to you being able to utilize us to build your kingdom. God, they lead to a better relationship with you. So God, as we come together this morning, we exalt your son because he humbled himself more than any of us can ever humble ourselves. So therefore, he should be exalted higher than any of us would ever be exalted. God, we focus on what he has for us. Lord, and we take this time to just surrender everything we have to him. We pray these things in his name. Amen.